Do you know, it's great to be here this morning. We're so excited about coming, and we've kind of stood with you over the years, I suppose. Um, when Jeremy and Anne were here, they were just great friends of ours. So we were partnering together, and, and Jeremy and Anne, who were previous pastors obviously here, uh, were our neighbours when we lived in Elton. So we've kind of felt connected with you all for quite a long time. So it's great to be here. And the other thing I've enjoyed about this morning is uh, when you're leading a church, you kind of got one ear open to the congregation during the worship because you think, oh, I wonder if so-and-so's here. If they're not, I wonder if they're okay. But this morning, it's been lovely just to stand and worship God and just be totally focused on him. So thank you so much. I just really enjoyed the worship, so thank you to the worship team. Uh, we're just thrilled to be here, and we do bring you our greetings from King's Church as well. Right, well, here's our title for this morning. Raj asked us to speak on... Living faithfully and passionately through your 50s and 60s and beyond. So young people, please don't turn off because actually we've got, a, we've got something for everyone this morning. Um, it's not just for the 50s and 60s. And I would like to say that Phil and I are both in our early 60s. Neither of us feel our age and we would definitely promote living and enjoying life to the full. Uh, we love life and we're really thankful to God for the, for the energy that he's given us and the good health, even in our 60s. And like it or not, every one of us here this morning is growing older. You always feel young, don't you? When you're in your 20s, you think you never get to 60. I know I did. I remember getting to 30 and thinking, oh, for heaven's sake, I feel like an OAP. But actually, I'm now 63. So, and I still feel young inside. And have you noticed how many people love to joke about aging? Or we talk to our children about life when we were their age, and we say things like, when I was your age, all 12 of us in our family slept in the same bed and we shared one pillow. Or maybe we would say, why do you need a lift to school? I used to walk five miles to school and five miles back every day. I didn't need a lift. Do you still say that? <laughs> We also joke about our increasing age with the ever-popular, you know, you're old when statements. So, you know you're old when you barely do anything all day but still need to take a nap to continue to do barely anything. Or, you know you're old when you put your pyjamas and slippers on at the time you used to be going out. <laughs> or maybe, you know you're old when you stoop to tie your shoelaces and wonder what else you can do while you're down there. <laughs> I love that one. Or... Uh, when your knees buckle but your belt won't. Or maybe when you try to straighten the wrinkles in your socks and find you're not wearing any. <laughs> but joking aside, all of us grow older. And truth be told, many people try to avoid aging. Uh, cosmeticians have built multi-million pound businesses telling people how to avoid aging and look younger. Exercise enthusiasts have sold millions of pounds worth of books and equipment showing people how to avoid aging. Health food manufacturers have built huge businesses producing special foods that promise you can look and feel younger if you eat them. Genetic scientists are researching ways to prevent aging. But what does God expect from us as we grow older? Well, I think we need to accept that aging is inevitable and that we will all grow old. But one of the most important things is to have a godly attitude towards old age that God can still and does use us. We need to recognize that today, that no matter what our age is, God will still use us. Rick Warren said that as long as your heart is beating, God has a plan and purpose for your life, to grow personally, to get to know God, to serve others, and make the world a better place. 
So God wants us to have faith, an expectancy of life, and an abiding confidence in the future. No matter what our age, we need to keep God at the center of our lives. It's so important this morning just to get hold of that. He doesn't want us to be fussing and complaining and getting upset about quite insignificant things. Some people can appear older than they actually are because they're afraid to take chances or they're afraid of the future, afraid what tomorrow will, be br- will bring, and they're filled with dark days and consequently they're filled with anxiety and fear. Phil and I know people of our age or maybe a little older who insist in glorifying the past at the expense of the present and the future. People like this think that the best times are all behind us. The greatest days of church were 30 years ago in the good old days. But then there are others who are frail in body from the passing of years, with hair that has either turned white or it's gone altogether, uh, but whose attitudes are really young. They're optimistic, they're friendly, and they're excited about the future and just don't appear old. I'm sure you know people like that. They're not bored and they're not boring, and I'm hoping that's how you see Phil and I this morning. Um, And it's certain that we're all going to grow old in body, but we don't have to grow old in spirit. People who have a godly attitude should believe that the best can happen right now and in the future. And Phil and I try not to let the victories of the past limit all that God has for us and wants us to do in the future. Jeremiah 29:11 in the message says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not to abandon you, and plans to give you the future you hope for. And we recognize that our greatest achievements don't have to be limited to our younger days. Yes, our early days of marriage were incredibly exciting. In fact, we waited a very long 11 years before our first baby came along. Um, But even then, we made the most of that time when we didn't have children, and we really did live life to the full. The season which followed was very different, but was equally exciting as we watched our children grow up. Phil was in business, and life was really good down in Oxfordshire. And when Tim was 13 and Alice was 10, God spoke to us about moving north from Oxfordshire and pastoring the church at the Oakwood Centre just down the road. It took a while for our children to settle, and Alice was really quite badly bullied at school, which caused her and us quite a lot of pain and resulted in in her having to change schools. But pastoring the Oakwood Centre was... Um, an amazing experience where for five years God blessed the work but then sadly things changed and our time there came to quite a painful end but we knew with integrity that we couldn't stay there any longer and as some of you here will remember Phil then organized um, the huge event uh, with J. John called Just Ten Um, it was at Preston Park Um, I don't know whether any of you were able to come along but it was quite a big event with about 6,000 people attending on the very first night Um, And that's um, a time that was very, very exciting. And it was like God was filling a gap that we didn't know he was filling. Um, But as it was coming to an end, we just happened to meet up with Jeremy and Anne Simpkins uh, for lunch, actually. They just rang us one day and said, it's been a long time, let's get together for lunch. Um, And they'd become really good friends. Um, And they asked us just over lunch that day, uh, we were both 55 years old then, to pray about taking on King's Church in Darlington. And the rest is history. We've been there since, uh, I can't remember, about nine years now, isn't it? Um, But believe me, we don't look back over the years and wish we hadn't been through the painful times because the good, the bad, and the ugly experiences make us the couple we are today. And we're so thankful to God for our life experiences. (coughs) 
one thing we can know for certain is that God never consults our past to determine our future. We don't have to live with our, our hurts and our, the things that went wrong in our past. And no matter what you've done or said in the past, whatever mistakes you've made that still cause a knot in your stomach when you think about them, just try and deal with it. Ask God to help you deal with it. Ask a friend to pray with you through it and know that you're forgiven by God. And then move on into all that God has for you. And while I was prepared, while I was finishing preparing um, yesterday, and I actually had a picture, and I believe it's for someone here, of um, I think it's a lady, and she was walking with her head down, and it was like she had um, a ball and chain tied to her foot. She she really wanted to move forward in God, but she just couldn't do it. And um, and I just felt God wants you to know that He's here, and that He wants you to find out what that ball and chain is. Ask Him and he'll show you. Get someone to pray with you, and I can guarantee that the future will definitely look so much more exciting once, uh, once you've dealt with it, and you'll be able to walk again with your head held high, and uh, into all that God has been storing up for you during this time. So don't ignore it, just deal with it, and it'll make life so much easier. Phil and I have known his presence with us in amazing ways, and we're still looking forward to all that God has for us in the future, because we know without a doubt that he hasn't finished with us yet. History is full of examples of people who achieved so much in their later years. For example, Tennyson wrote Crossing the Bar when he was 80. Benjamin Franklin rendered his greatest service to the USA after he passed his 60th birthday. Winston Churchill, the saviour of Europe, wouldn't have had the recognition he did have if he had died before he was 65. Thomas Edison was busily seeking out new inventions when he died at 85. Michelangelo was still producing masterpieces when he was 89. And far too often, I hear people of our age talk about the downfalls of aging. And of course, it would be pointless to deny there are some. But let's face it, even our young people today have struggles and disadvantages. It's not just the elderly. So no matter what your age this morning, instead of focusing on all the negatives of old age, maybe it's time we all started talking about the rewards of getting older. Perhaps when we start valuing age as a gift with often unappreciated benefits like bus passes and fuel allowances, uh, those younger than us will recognize it as well. And then when someone says, I just turned 60, someone else will say, oh, how awesome, rather than, oh, poor you. Helen Mirren said, your 40s are good, your 50s are great, your 60s are fab, and 70 is flipping awesome. So Phil and I are definitely looking forward and not back. George Bernard Shaw said, you don't stop laughing when you grow old. You grow old when you stop laughing. And believe me, we definitely laugh a lot. We love evenings with friends, old and new, we, and young, sorry, old and young. Um, we love eating out when the budget permits. I love cooking. We enjoy a glass of wine. Phil loves playing his guitar and has started a guitar class at King's Church. And I love doing anything creative. We always look forward to our days off on a Friday so that we can go out and just have fun together. And we will all eventually, all of us will eventually retire uh, from our careers, but we will never retire from the main job in life, which is serving God. We're 24-7 employees of heaven, and the sooner we realize this, the younger our outlook will be. Personally, I can spend too much time looking in the mirror at in the mirror at skin that looks like crepe paper and wrinkles that appear from nowhere rather than looking forward and building upon all that God 
And many people with far more wisdom than me have taught me over the years. We all have so much to give. There's so much awesomeness in each of us, no matter what our age. Our culture has taught us to look at the thunder thighs crossing the finishing line, rather than the fact that we've just completed a 5 or a 10K race in our 50s or 60s. We may be able to walk down the stairs afterwards, but at least we can wear that medal with pride, girls. We have a couple in our church who um, have recently had a baby, and uh, when the husband returned to work, um, I said I'd organize some meals for them um, on the days that he was working. Um, and that was, and I, we've actually found that we've covered most of the days in February for her, um, for us to take round meals. But one older lady said to me that she didn't think she could make a meal, but she would love to make them some cakes. And it blessed her so much to think uh, that she could do something useful. So I think it's the responsibility of the church family as a whole to include every generation, toddlers as well, and the elderly. Um, in whatever we're doing, because we all need a sense of purpose, and it does, without doubt, keep us young. People can always say no, but are often so blessed to be asked, no matter how little their contribution might be. So before I hand over to Phil, um, I'd like to read to you Hebrews 12, verse 1, and just a part of verse 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Great. Well, it is great to be with you. And uh, I'm going to come to the middle, if that's all right, because I feel like Sally's talked to you. So I might go across here and talk to this lot. That's great. Thanks, Sal. Sally did a great job of part one, didn't she? So you can all go to sleep now because I'm not going to say anything as good as my wife says, of course. Uh, Actually, when Raj uh, asked us to speak on this subject, I thought it was a bit cheeky, really, because I think I still feel about 40. But he asked us... Do you, Raj? Okay, that's beautiful having three young children. Um, But, you know, it's it's amazing. I, I remember thinking about being 63 and thinking, when I last checked my age, I was 50. Do you, do you realise that, that? That time goes by real quick. Now, when you're a lot younger, it seems to go a bit slower. Uh, but as you get older, it seems to go faster. It doesn't. It goes at the same speed, of course, but it just feels like it goes faster. I just want to pick up uh, on a couple of words that Sally read uh, from Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just read that again. So let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith and I want to consider just two things from those verses really number one is running the race and the other is fixing our eyes on Jesus first of all running the race what is the race the writer to the Hebrews is talking about what race is he talking about well I pretty sure it's the race of life it's life itself so why does he describe life as a race doesn't always seem like a race does it why did he describe it as a race well maybe because life is supposed to have meaning purpose an end goal and according to scripture a prize at the end There are things for us to do. Uh, There's goals for us to achieve as we go through life. Life is a race. 
Now this race that we're in is not classified as a sprint either. It's more of a marathon. We're encouraged to run this race with perseverance, the race that is set before us. It's a marathon race. There is a goal. It's also a personal race. The race, run the race that's set before you. Run the race that's set before you. Your race is your race. It's not anyone else's race. You mustn't ever try to run someone else's race. That's really tricky, isn't it? You know, if you watch the athletics on the television, you see Hussein Bolt, fastest man in the world. I think he still is. Uh, but if you put him in a 10,000 metre race, he wouldn't win. Why? Because he'd be trying to run somebody else's race. He has to run his own race. Mo Farah runs a bit longer, doesn't he? Is he 10,000 metres? Shows you what I know about athletics. Anyone here an athletics buff? Thank the Lord for that. Nobody. That's good. You mustn't try and run someone else's race. You've got your own race to run. But the thing is, when you're running your race, you will interact with other people who are running their race. Here we are today, crowd of us together, we're all running our race and we're interacting with each other as we run our race. And as we run, we have to be able to interact and help each other and encourage each other as we run the race. Even though it's our race, we have people around us who can help us run. And there are people who will encourage us even when we feel like giving up. You know, sometimes you do get to the point where you think, you know, I, man, I've just had enough of, of, of trying to run this. This is just too tough. I'm just going to give up this race. I'm going to maybe try somebody else's race. Don't do that. God wants us to keep running. So be determined, I want to say this, to run your race and then I would say this, be careful who you choose to interact with when you run. See, sometimes you might have to slow down a bit and help someone to lose some of the baggage so that they can run their race better. And sometimes people will slow down for you and they'll help you to lose some of the rubbish that you've collected over the years and you can be free to run your race even better. Always make, make sure you spend enough time with those who have an appetite for life's race. Okay? Make sure you spend time with those people. Who remembers at school, I might be going back a bit now, that wonderful thing we used to do in PE called cross-country running? <laughs> Anybody remember that? Stick your hand if you remember that. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's done anymore. Is it done? I don't know whether it is. Probably. I don't know. See, I was never the build for cross-country running. In fact, I was never the build for running, full stop, really. Um, and so, there was about three or four of us who were a little bit overweight, only just a tad, a little bit overweight, that used to be at the back of the cross-country running, which you'd think, that's a terrible place to be. And it, and it sort of was, except that the, the games master would kind of stay in the middle of the bunch. You couldn't really see what you were doing. So now and again, if we lagged far enough behind, we could take shortcuts. You used to do that? Anyone else used to do that? Yeah, it's great, wasn't it? Yeah. You could just kind of shoot off, cut off a big corner somewhere, and you could get through. But really, if I'm absolutely honest, uh, I wish I'd spent a bit more time with people who were better runners than me. Because actually, they would have helped me with my running. They would have said, Phil, you need to lose about four stone. 
and then you'll be a better runner. Because I was quite big at school. I'm still relatively big now. Thank you, Gav. No need to agree with everything I say. Um, <laughs> um, so, when I was at school, I, I actually I had this thing for a while that I was the same weight as the years I was old. Okay? So when I was 15, I was like 15 stone. And I'd done that since I was 12. I thought that's what you were supposed to do. I thought you were supposed to even it all up, you know? 12 years, 12, etc., etc. But I wished... I spent a bit more time with people who could run. They could have helped me run. I could have learned how to run a bit better. Now, I may never have been as good as those people at running, but I could have been better than I was. So who are you spending time with on your race? Are you spending time with people who can encourage you and help you run that race to the full? Are you spending time with people who go, I've got an appetite for life. I have an appetite for life's race. Come on, don't give up. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. That's one of the reasons it's so important to choose the right person. Actually, when you get married, really important to choose the right person to marry. So you need a strong running partner. Somebody who's going to be alongside you. Because although you still have your own race to run, you are running that race very close to somebody else with their race to run and your races interact all the time. And you've got to pick the right running partner to run with you through your life together. One that's going to encourage you. One that isn't going to go there, there, but say, now come on, pull yourself up. Yeah, do you get that? Men, do you get ladies that are a bit tough on you? Yeah? See, I always think if I'm feeling a bit ill sometimes, you know, you know the man flu thing that we sometimes get. Somebody said to me, I went into work one day into the centre and uh, somebody said, how are you Phil? I said, oh, I feel a bit rough today. He said, oh you should have stayed at home. I said, you must be kidding. <laughs> I said, I get more rest here than I would at home. If I, Sally would say, come on Phil, come on, you're okay, let's get going. You know, I go, dear. But you want somebody who's going to push you on, don't you? Graham? get you through stuff. Not who's going to just kind of go down with you and go, oh dear, dear, dear. I'm so thankful for Sally. She's been an amazing running partner for the last 42 years we've been married. 43 this year. And that's been amazing. And you know, the race doesn't end when you're 50, 60 or 70. It keeps right on until the end of life. See, I always think this. You've got an eternity to rest, yeah, and be with Jesus. You don't, you don't need too much now. We need a little bit to keep us going. But hey, think about the race. Think about keeping going. Think about Jesus. Think about the prize. Think about what God's got stored up for you. It'll be wonderful. And sometimes, you know, as we get older, we tend to major on the things we can't do any longer. Oh, I can't do this anymore. can't do that anymore. Rather than on the things we're still able to do. See, God never asks us to do what we can't do. <laughs> I don't know why we worry about what we can't do, because God's not worried about that. He's worried about what we can do and don't do. Did you follow that? Good. You see, because God's looking for us to go, we can still do this, Lord. I was thinking about sport the other day. I used to actually play, when I left school, I did lose a lot of weight. And, and I used to play lots of football. Used to play for all the local village teams and stuff, you know, and, and used to love it. But when I got to about 30, it was like the old knees were beginning to creak a bit, and I thought, I can't, can't do that anymore. 
oh dear, I can't do that anymore. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I started playing squash, and then I saw a lot of people with heart attacks playing squash. So I thought, I don't really want to do that anymore either. Uh, so then I, I joined a tennis club in the village we were in. Very posh, very lovely tennis club. And uh, made some terrific people down there, all hitting jolly good serves and that. Well, I was, a, I was a builder, by the way, so I was a little bit rough down there. Uh, and I used to play with another builder friend. So we used to kind of go down there and people used to go, ew, it's the builders playing. Ew, do I? Uh, <coughs> ew, I say. Anyway, I didn't do too much of that. Uh, and then I thought, well, what am, am I going to do? So when I came up here, I thought, I know, I'll take up golf. Golf, I was, I was a golfing age, I thought. So I got myself, I got all the gear. You know that saying where people got all the gear and no idea? Yeah? <laughs> it's a bit like that, really. Uh, so Sally, bless her, who's a great running partner of mine, said, I'll buy you some golfing lessons because she could see that I was embarrassing myself a bit. So I had these golfing lessons <clears throat> and was doing okay, except every time I played a round of golf or went to the driving range, I couldn't walk for about two days because my back was killing me. So golf, I had to quit golf. So I gave away all my gear and my no idea and didn't play golf anymore. And I thought then, you know, I'm kind of getting towards 60. What am I going to do? Because I want to try and keep as fit as I can for the kingdom. See, it's quite good to be physically relatively fit as well, isn't it? As well as spiritually and emotionally fit. So you, you never guess what genteel sport I took up. Boxing. <laughs> Boxing. Now, because <clears throat> I'm, I'm super brave... I thought, I don't want to box or anyone's trying to hit me. Because <laughs> that's painful. So I took up boxing on a punch bag. So we have a big punch bag. We, we have lots of kind of rooms in our building at church. And we have a dance studio. And in the dance studio, we hung this massive great punch bag up. And so I try and go four days a week down and do five two-minute rounds on the punch bag. So far, the punch bag hasn't laid a finger on me. I'm so fast. <laughs> Um, but because I, I, I want to try and stay fit, you know, and you never know in counselling when you might, might need a really good straight right on somebody, might you, just to help them through a difficult situation. Uh, but it's important, you know, not to see. I mean, I could focus and go, I can't do that, I can't do that. But you know what? I can still do that. You know, I can still do that. As long as nobody's trying to hit me back, I feel pretty safe there. So I want to say this God has not finished with us yet or with you yet. Keep yourself physically, emotionally and spiritually as fit as you possibly can. Make sure you read the word regularly. Make sure you're still getting into God. Make sure you're listening to God. There's a race to be run and we don't want to drop out. Don't drop out the race. Keep going. Keep going. I want to keep going. You know, somebody said to me, Phil, when do you think you're going to retire from leading King's Church? It, it was one of the people in Kings, actually. I was a bit worried about that. I'm wondering, is my time up? And they're just not telling me. Um, but, you know, I say, well, actually, I'll, when God tells me to, and, and when you lot go, Phil, it's time to cut, perhaps they might have to do that. But, you know, but I'm still going to be doing something for the kingdom of God. God doesn't want us to retire. He doesn't want us to quit. He wants us, wants us to keep going. So that's running the race. Let's keep going. Keep running the race. Keep being, you know, be enthusiastic about the race. Get alongside somebody who's enthusiastic. Let them kind of inspire you to keep running the race. 
Second thing is this, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So what does it mean to fix our eyes on Jesus? What does that actually mean? It certainly means more than staring at Jesus, doesn't it? It doesn't mean just, oh, look, there's Jesus. The writer to the Hebrews is talking about seeing Jesus in every aspect of our lives, in everything we do, making sure that he's first in our thinking, he's first in whatever we do, he is the centre of everything we do, rather than our own will being the centre of what we do. Wherever we look in our lives, we should be seeing Jesus there. What does Jesus want us to do? Where is he in our lives? Where is he in your life? Is he right at the centre? Is he right at the front? I think also this fixing our eyes on Jesus conveys that sense of never losing the wonder of our salvation. Never losing the wonder. You see, never losing the wonder of Jesus being the author and the perfecter of our faith. You see, Jesus looked at us and he said, these guys have a problem. You've all got a problem. You've all got a problem. And then he looked and he went, do you know what? I know what the answer is. And then he said, do you know what? I will be the answer. So Jesus, he kind of looked, he saw the problem, he saw the answer, he became the answer. We should never lose the wonder of that. Never lose the wonder of what Jesus has done. Let me also say this. Never be afraid of your emotions as you get older. Let tears of thankfulness and love flow freely when you meditate or worship on Jesus. Don't be afraid of your emotions. Sometimes I'll sit in in my study playing the guitar and just worshipping God and uh, I become an emotional mess in a good way. In that I just think, Jesus, you're just so good. You've just been so good over the years. We uh, had a couple in our church, Peter and Carol Arman, who looked after all our small groups. Uh, They were a kind of real integral part of King's. Peter was diagnosed with cancer last summer and he died on December the 17th. It was just about 16 weeks uh, when he was diagnosed and then when he, he, he later went to be with Jesus. And Peter and Carol had lived uh, quite an amazing life. He was a consultant gynaecologist uh, and had worked all over the world in various different Christian organisations and various projects. And before he died, he'd just finished writing his book. Uh, His family had said, we'd love you to write down what you did, Dad, through everything, you and Mum. And he'd just finished writing this book, got it published, and... uh, I just uh, finished reading it just before he died. And as I was preparing a talk for his funeral service, I remembered a a quote, not from his book, this is a quote, I can't remember where I heard it, and there are several kind of uh, ways of looking at this. But this is the quote I remembered. It says this, If what you believe in is not worth dying for, then it's not worth living for. See, the book I just read, Peter and Carol's book I just read, was about a man, it was about a couple actually, who were absolutely certain that what they were living for, what they believed in, was worth dying for and therefore worth living for. Not just physical death, but death of reputation. Peter was a gynaecologist when the whole abortion act came in and stood 
for what he felt was right, therefore lost lots of jobs, was put down. They died a death to wealth. He could have been a very wealthy guy. He died a death to his career. And I was challenged to think about my life. Was I really prepared to die for Jesus in every part of my life? Was my belief so strong in me that I go, do you know what, I'll give up that because actually I want to give it up for Jesus. You see, what we have, let me encourage you with this, what we have in Jesus Christ is worth dying for. And thousands upon thousands of people have died physically for it. Thousands and thousands of people have died to reputations and careers and to wealth and to all kinds of stuff for the sake of the gospel. And Jesus himself died to give us that salvation. What we have is worth dying for. See, do you want to stay passionate for Jesus for all of your lives? Right from giving your life to Jesus, right till meeting him. Hey, do you want to stay passionate? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Sacrifice some of your ambitions and dreams and go for the excitement rather than the easy life. I'll tell you a little personal story. Uh, we used to, Sally already said, we used to live in, in Oxfordshire and uh, we had a uh, brother and myself and my father had our own construction company and it, it was pretty good. We had about 40, 50 guys working for us and, and life was, was pretty, pretty good, really. We didn't really want for a great deal. We'd just moved into, into a nice house in a, in a nice village. And I was thinking about putting a swimming pool in the back garden and thinking, you know, God's good to us. You know, we were serving in the church and doing what God wanted us to do, we felt. And then we got the call to come up here. Steve Thomas, who headed up Salt and Light, he came to us and he said, Guys, uh, there's a church up in Eaglescliff, which was the Oakwood Centre, that been in a bit of trouble, and we think, you know, you should lead it. Oh, good. I thought life was just getting good. You know, kids were growing up, we were earning decent money in the building industry, and uh, th- things were, yeah, things were good for us. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, God, I've, I've said to you through my life, whatever you call us to do, we'll do. So, I'm sitting in the, in the big lounge one day and the sun was beaming through the windows in, our, in this house we just got and uh, it was great and uh, I just felt God speak to me so clearly and he said this, Phil he said, because that's my name, he said, Phil, he said, you can, you can stay here if you want and I will bless you, I will bless you. You see, God never forces us to do anything. You can stay here if you want and I will bless you. And I'm going, goody, just tell Steve Thomas we will not be going to the northeast. But then he said, but if you really want the white knuckle ride, come with me. If you really want the white knuckle ride, come with me. See, you have a choice always. You have a choice always. See, God, God never kicks you into somewhere, never pushes you. He says, hey, there's this and this. You know, I'll bless you there, but you know what? It's going to be exciting. And can I tell you, we've had pretty much a white knuckle ride. And you know what the white knuckle ride is, isn't you? It's those those rides at the fairground where you're kind of going up and down, aren't you? You know, you hit that, you come back up and you go, oh man, oh no, here we go again. And you're holding on and your knuckles are white. 
But hey, you know, what do you want out of life? What do you want out of life? Do you want to just kind of puddle along on a nice even keel? Or do you want to go, do you know what, Jesus, let's go with you. Let's see what you've got for us. See, I, I still feel excited about what Jesus has got to Sally and myself. I don't know what it is. Uh, right now we're in the church, we're in Eagles Cliff, we're, we're kind of doing some work in Canada and bits and pieces like that, but you know, who knows what God's got for you? Who knows what God's got for you? So let me encourage you. Keep going in your race. Keep running your race. What's the race God has for you? You see, sometimes in life, like that story I've told you, sometimes in your race, you come to a bit of a crossroads or a bit of a Y junction, don't you? And Jesus said, well, do you know what, Phil? You can go either way and you'll be okay. But this is the way that's really going to... It's a tough way, but it's my way. This is the best way. And you make a choice then. You go, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. We don't know what's around the corner. As Sally has already said, you know, we, we, we came up to the northeast. Kids took it a little while to settle. Alice was bullied. He was terribly upset. And you just keep going, but God said, therefore, we're gonna, what we're going to do, we're going to keep running the race. We're going to keep running the race. We're not going to turn around and go back. We're gonna, why? Well, because actually God's got us on the race. I want to encourage you, keep going on your race. Don't be put off by things. Don't let things stop you running. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Hey, we've got a great prize at the end. We've got eternity to worship Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? You excited about that? I'm excited. I'm not keen on getting there too soon, but I'm excited about what there is at the end of the race. Yeah? Jesus is there for us. Keep running the race. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking at Jesus. Keep having that wonder of, wow, look what Jesus has done for us. Look what he's done for us. Look what he's given us. Keep that wonderment. And remember, what we have is worth dying for. Therefore, it's worth living for. You see, life to the full is ours for the taking. Life to the full is there for everyone. You've just got to get hold of it and go, Jesus, I'm going to catch hold of this. I'm going to keep going, whatever you call me to do. Amen. Okay.